the book of Micah, the sixth chapter. Uh, it's in the Old Testament, and we'll share some principles from there, and I want you to follow along with me today because I think this message will help to uh, alleviate a lot of stress in your life. I think this message, uh, when we learn how to do this well, will help us to be able to um, not sit in silence and not be in a depressed state. I think we'll learn how to strengthen our relationships. The story is told about this lady named Linda. Linda called the radio show upset about her husband. And when they asked her what the problem was, she said that whenever she and her husband went out, he would stare at other women. Did y'all hear that? Okay. If a pretty woman walked by, he would all but fall out of his chair, following her with his eyes. Linda would feel ignored. And when Linda mentioned to him how uncomfortable his behavior made her feel, he tried to make it seem normal and sometimes even blame her for it. What are you talking about, he would say. I don't do that. Besides, if you would get into shape, maybe I wouldn't notice other women. Have you thought of that? Oh, I hear some wives into my, mm. <laughs> Linda ended up feeling sad and hopeless. Trying to talk about the problem ended up nowhere, so she had stopped bringing it up. Any of y'all familiar with that? You stop bringing it up because when you bring it up, don't nothing happen. But the night before she called the radio station, something else had happened that brought the problem to the surface again. She had awakened in the night, and her husband was not in bed. She decided to go see what he was doing, and she found him at the computer looking at pornography sites on the Internet. Now the looking at other women had gone too far. She felt she had to do something, but with their history of blow-ups, she didn't know how to proceed. What did you do? The host asked. I told him that he was a pervert and that this is what I've been saying all along. I just told him I couldn't stand to be around him and went to bed and cried the rest of the night. Some sisters, that wouldn't have been your story, would it? I've been, <laughs> yeah, I've been awake all night and don't know what to do. The host asked him, have you talked to him since last night? No, and I don't know what to say either. I don't know if I'm more sad or angry. I just feel lousy inside. What should I do? And they could hear the desperation in her voice. Now, again, think for a moment about this question. Is anyone in your life doing something you would like for him or her to quit doing? It may not be this instance right here or this situation here, but is anybody doing something, anybody in your life doing something that you would like for them to quit doing? It, 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 it's, it's probably easy to think of at least one or two things, which y'all agree? Is there, is, there, is there something that you're in relationship with somebody and there's something that they're doing that's causing you some angst and some heartaches? Well, I will tell you that a lot of Christians are in that position to where they are in relationship with family members, they're in relationship with uh, maybe church members. They're in relationship with their children, co-workers, or what have you. And there is something that's going on 
that you don't really legitimately know how to confront that issue. And so today we're going to talk about choosing to confront because we're talking about making right choices. And we're going to see in the book of Micah, the sixth chapter, if you guys will pop it up, we'll start at verse number one and we're going to move on down. We're going to see um, where God chooses to confront his people. We've been doing uh, and looking at over the last few weeks a number of different individuals who made choices that caused them to fulfill their divine destiny. And what I would tell you is that in our life, we have many opportunities to make the right choice. And I think one of the things that will help us in, in making the right choices is see how God does it and see how God's representative in the Bible does do, do, do it, and then it can help us to be able to be on point there. Look at uh, Micah, the sixth chapter, verse number one, and the text says this. Listen to what the Lord is saying. Stand up and state your case against me. Let the mountains and the hills be called to witness your complaints. Verse number two says, and now, O mountains, listen to the Lord's complaint. He, is, he has a case against his people. He will bring charges against Israel. All right. Oh, my people, what have I done to you? What have I done to make you tired of me? This is God talking that. See, God is going to bring a case against his own people. He says, what have I done to make you tired of me? Answer me. Verse four, for I brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from slavery. I sent Moses, Aaron, and Miriam to help you. Don't you remember, my people, how King Balak of Moab tried to have you cursed and how Balaam, son of Beor, blessed you instead? And remember your journey from Acacia Grove to Gilgal when I, the Lord, did everything I could to teach you about my faithfulness. How many of y'all know the Lord is faithful? What can we bring to the Lord? What kind of offerings should we give him? Should we bow before God with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? Look at verse number eight. No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you. Now listen to this real carefully. What does he require of us? To do what is right. Everybody say, do what's right. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. Now, guys, we're going to stop right here because that's the point I want to jump on these three things. To do what's right, which means to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. See, whenever we go to confront a situation, whenever we go to try to resolve and make a relationship or a situation better, we got to keep in mind these three points. Do what's right. Love mercy. And walk humbly with your God. Uh, a key thought I gave you on your outline is this. God has decided to do most of what he does based on the decisions or the choices that we make. Let's read it out loud no purpose. It says what? God has decided to do most of what he does based on the decisions and the choices what, what? that we make. Now, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, there are some things that God won't do unless you choose to do it yourself. Because God made us free moral agents. How many of y'all know that the Bible says 
God is not slack concerning his promises. Amen. And, but he, and, and he's not willing that any man should perish. Amen. He's long suffering, not willing that any man should perish. What that means is that God don't want anybody to go to hell. But guess what? If you don't choose him, he won't choose you. Can I get a witness? Even though it's his will for nobody to go to hell, but he won't make you choose him. And when you don't choose him, amen, and you die in your sins, there's only one eternal destination for you, and that's called H-E-L-L. Everybody say hell. Hell is a real place for real people. And so, so God, 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 with, with the way he made us, he made us as free moral agents, and he decided to do what he's going to do through us choosing to do his will and not making us as robots. Well, people in every nation, guys, and of every generation have turned away from the Lord and rejected his holy word, just like God's people had done here in the book of Micah. Amen. Rather than longing for fellowship with the God who created the heavens and earth, rather than seeking to learn his ways and, 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 and how we should live, amen, people down through the years have rejected the Lord and followed their own path. Would y'all agree with me there? Every generation, amen, has turned away from the Lord. As a result, people are living meaningless lives. People are living selfish lives that's full of greed and, 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 and don't have a, a heart for the things of God. This was the case with Israel, amen. God had given Israel his word. He had given him his laws and his commandments. But yet these laws, amen, although they were there for guidance and protection, they begin to, to fall away from doing what God had already instructed them to do. God had instructed them to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with him. Instead, the people chased after false gods and rejected the Lord. So the Lord now begins to bring them up on trial. They ignored God's holy word and his righteous instructions, and due to their poor choices, everybody say poor choices, they caved in to all kinds of sin and all kinds of immoral behavior. You all that studied the book of Judges with us know that every time God's people fall away from him, God will bring judgment in order to correct the behavior. Because God desires each one of us to be in close fellowship with him. Now watch this. Listen, see, God, even you know, as saved people, guys, we can live at a distance from God, even though we still belong to him. In other words, we can have our relationship with God, but our fellowship with God may not be where it needs to be. Can I get a witness? And when we, as God's children, choose to pull ourselves away and detach ourselves because he gave us that choice, right? God ain't going to make you do anything. We sing this song, make me love my enemy. God ain't going to make you love your enemies. You got to choose to love your enemies. Can I get a witness? How many of y'all have discovered that God won't make you do anything? Because you can ask him, but he's, it's up to your will. You got to make the right choice. Can I get a witness? And so here in Michael, we see where the people, amen, uh, uh, had fallen away from God. And so God decides to call for a trial. And you know, how many of y'all like to watch judge shows during the daytime? Any of y'all watch Judge Maybelline? How many of y'all have watched Judge Mathis? 
How many of y'all, uh, is, it, is it the people's court? Is Judge Judy still around? She was, listen, listen, some of y'all, some of y'all, listen, some of y'all, some of y'all love them, so, them judge souls like you do those soap operas, don't you? <laughs> a, a trial had been called by God against his own people. In other words, God is calling for a, 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 a confrontation. God chooses a man and he chose to confront his people. Well, in the process, he reminded them of how they were supposed to live and how they had failed to live rightly. And then he pronounced the sentence against them and his judgment came down. Now, guys, watch this. If God, when he sees us as his people going astray, confronts us and we are made in the likeness and the similitude of God, whenever we are in relationship with anybody and there's a need to confront an issue, we got to do like God and learn how to confront the issue. Everybody say, choosing to confront. Now, but before we choose to, to confront, we got to prepare for it. Everybody say, preparation is key. Preparation. Look at your outline. We're going to go through some things right quick because I want you to understand that God desires for each one of us to have peace in this life. And if you don't learn how to do this, you won't have peace. You won't have peace in your marriage. You won't have peace at work. You won't have peace in, in your neighborhood. You won't have peace in your family until you learn how to do this effectively. Can I get a witness? Well, now, now uh, three things he says here in, in Michael. Uh, if, if, before you confront, keep these things in mind. Number one, act justly. Everybody say act justly. So, 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 so justice here, uh, or, or what is right and good, is important. Y'all know that, right? In other words, when something is wrong, we should move to address it. How many of y'all are in relationships right now? I don't even want you to raise your hand because I know, I'm, I know what I'm talking about here. How many of y'all in your own family, in your own marriage, have let some things settle that you really want to address, but because the last time you addressed it, it blew up? And so all, all of a sudden now you don't want to talk about it anymore because you're afraid that if I go and deal with the issue, then it's going to cause some confrontation, some heartache, and some pain. Anybody out there? Can I get one hand? How many of you know situation, maybe at work, that you really want to confront in a righteous way, but you're fearful about doing it because of what may be the repercussions of you making that confrontation? Well, I want to tell you today that it is God's desire for us to choose to confront wrong, to confront issues that need to be addressed. Amen. So, so the first thing, but if you're going to do that, you got to be prepared, first of all. So the first thing you got to make sure you do is do like what God is telling his people to do in Micah. Number one, you got to act justly. Everybody say act justly. In the area of relationships, guys, we need to judge each other in the good sense of the word judgment. Okay. The way Paul uses it when he tells us that we are responsible to judge each other's behavior and speak the truth to each other in love. Go to 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, right quick. And let's look at verse number 12. 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verse number 12. Hallelujah. Choosing to confront. Talking about making the right choice. Making the choice to confront. Many Christians don't do this very well. Many Christians don't do this at all. Amen. Watch this. Watch this. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Watch this. Can y'all read with me out loud on purpose? 
Let's read. It says what? It isn't my responsibility. Watch this. Watch this. For all of you Christians who say don't judge me. Hello. Watch this now. For everyone. How many of y'all have said that before? Ah, come on now. We got, we got to get real. That's, that's the going thing around it. Don't judge me. Hello. What did your Bible just say? Stop. Let's get some context. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and he's dealing with the Corinthian church's issues. We just did a whole series on, on, on an inside look at the Corinthian church, right? How many of y'all know the Corinthian church, Brother Katie, had some, some scandalous stuff going on? Right? And so what Paul says here, uh, as a matter of fact, if you will, Brother Jay, let's back up just a few verses so we can get the full context of what he's dealing with right here. Chapter number five. Uh, and let's look at verse number nine right quick. Watch this. Verse number nine. Y'all ready to study your Bible? Are y'all ready to go? Come on. Are y'all locked in? Are we tracking together? You got your eyes up here and your heart up here. No, nobody's sleepy, are you? Do I need to bring everybody up? All right, now you know I'll do it. I'll stand everybody up just to make sure you don't go to sleep, amen? And anybody got to know is you. Just keep, keep smiling, saying amen, amen? I tell y'all, it, it used to just crack me up, uh, especially when we were in the old sanctuary. I would stand people up, but I didn't have no idea who, who was sleepy or not. And then people would come up to me after church and give themselves away, just confess. Pastor, I know you saw me. No, I didn't see you, but now that you told me, I know you were sleeping. Just don't say anything. Just keep on nodding your head like you're saying amen. Right? Watch what Paul says here. Come on, can we read together? It says what? When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. Watch this now. In other words, okay, let's keep moving. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin. All greedy. Now watch this. Or who cheat people, or who worship what? You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. Watch what he says here. He says what? I meant that you're not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer, yet indulges in sexual sin, or or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or is a drunkard, or cheats people, don't even eat with such people. What Paul is saying is that it, when we're dealing with people who claim to know Christ, and, and they hoard around, and you know they hoard around, you got to remove yourself from them. Is that what he says? I didn't, I didn't make this up. What he's saying is that that, that in the church, I'm not, I'm not talking about somebody who's struggling with something. I'm talking about somebody who just giving into that lifestyle. Because all of us can have a struggle. All of us can have something that we're battling with. But this is, this, this is talking about the church hole. This is, talking about, this, this is talking about the person who's in the church. Y'all woke now, aren't you? I, I just want to see if y'all are still awake. Just checking with you. He's talking about that person in the church who you know, man or woman, who has a lifestyle 
and ain't trying to get out of it. When you identify the church whore, you remove yourself from the church whore. Help me, Jesus. Can I read it again? Y'all don't like the way I said it, but let's say the way the NLT says it. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer, yet indulges. Indulge means that I ain't trying to get out of it. I'm not, it ain't a struggle. This is what I do. I'm just doing me. I'm going to hit every sick I can hit and still sing in the choir. Still play the keyboards. Hello? He says, I meant that you're not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy or worship idols or is abusive or is a drunkard or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. Now watch what he says. That's giving you context now because he's, he's dealing with, amen, amen, the church. Everybody say the church. Now he gets into verse 12, which is really what I want to get to. And I better get there before I get myself in trouble with you all. He says, it isn't my responsibility. Notice what Paul says. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders. We spend too much time trying to tell unsaved folk how to live. And that ain't our responsibility. Can I get a witness up in here? Unsaved folk do what unsaved folk do. They sin. So why are you sweating what unsaved folk are doing? Deal with the church. Paul said, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility. Talk to the church. It is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. So it is our responsibility to deal with behavior in a godly way. Because somebody is sinning don't mean that they are not saved. Somebody got caught up. Can I get a witness up in here? But you don't want to keep get, being caught up because you keep being caught up. You got to question whether or not who your allegiance is to. Can I get a witness up in here? So, 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 so he says, uh, our responsibility is to judge those inside the church who are sinning. Is that what he says? I'm not making it up. It's right there. Glory be to God. It is right there for the reading. Can I get a witness? Now watch, watch this. It says, so, so in the area relationships, we need to judge each other in the good sense of the word. The way Paul uses it is when, we, when he tells us that we are responsible to judge others' behavior and speak the truth to each other in love. That's what he says in Ephesians. Speak the truth in love. Watch what Proverbs 15 and 32 says. Go there right quick. Proverbs 15 and 32. I got to move. Proverbs 15 and 32 says, if you reject discipline, come on, child of God, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, hear me, hear me now, you grow in understanding. Can you read that out loud on purpose? It says what? If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. So guys, so when we prepare to confront someone's behavior, Remember that it's a good thing for you to do. Ever says a good thing. It is the right thing and it is a helpful thing. This will keep you honest in the confrontation and help you to avoid 
the tendency to minimize the problem or the issue or to not take a firm enough stand against whatever is wrong. Let's be very careful. So, so first thing he tells them, like he told them in Micah, act justly. Realize that confronting a sinful behavior is a just thing. And the Bible does tell us to judge in the church. So stop going around saying, don't judge me. In other words, we're not judging your salvation, but we're going to judge your behavior. I expect you to judge my behavior. If I got up here on Sunday morning and got mad and cussed all y'all out before I started preaching, y'all got to judge that. Now I wouldn't do that. Not dear little me. I don't even really know how to curse. Cursing never was my thing. Now I probably could say a curse word, but it wouldn't even sound right to me. But if I did, you, you got to judge that. You can't say, well, oh, that's just our pastor. Amen. The Lord is blessing him. Yeah. He just, he, he just, he talks that way to us because he loves us. No, that's wrong. And you got to judge that behavior. Is that what Paul says? In the church, we can't let stuff just slide with the idea that we can't judge nobody. We judge the behavior. Is that what it says? All right. So, 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 so act justly. The second thing is, uh, it, if we're going to be prepared before we confront, we got to love mercy. Everybody say love mercy. This means to be kind and compassionate. It means to, to, to bow to someone in kindness, favor, and good deeds. In other words, be good to them. Show some understanding and love when you're dealing with or confronting an issue. Because somebody can get caught up just like you can get caught up. The Bible says, if a brother is overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual... Go and restore that person in the spirit of meekness, considering your own self, lest you fall. In other words, if, if, if I'm going to go and try to help somebody, I got to consider how I want them to come help me if I fall. So, so we got to love mercy, man. Be good to them. Show understanding and love. It's easy. Come on, hear me carefully now. It's easy to be mean in exercising justice. Said the truth, the truth can be tough on people, can it? And that's why sometimes we don't like it when people tell us the truth about ourselves. We'll reject it, we'll get mad, we'll get defensive, we'll deflect, we'll do whatever it takes to get that truth off of us. Can I get a witness up in there? So it's so 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 but 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 we gotta make sure that as we look at this, uh to love mercy, it man says that. When we're administering truth in that confrontation, we got to be kind and compassionate as well as honest. We got to be kind and compassionate as well as honest. In our judging, listen to me carefully. In our judging, we don't judge in a condemning way. We do it like an evaluation without condemnation. In other words, if I'm going to evaluate it, I'm going to look at the merits of the issue, but I'm not condemning the person. Can I get a witness up in here? Amen. Uh, when you put these two qualities together, amen, like God tells us to do, there's a much greater possibility for things to go well than, than if you were just only administering justice or only giving mercy. Some people give mercy all the time and no justice. And some folks give justice all the time and no mercy. And, and neither one of them are, are, are good by themselves, because there's sometimes when even though you got a right to do something, you choose not to do it. Aren't you glad God don't don't give us what we richly deserve? 
Aren't you glad that God didn't strike us down when he had the right to do so? Oh, oh y'all, I like y'all know what I'm talking about. That sin you committed, and you know it was sin when you did it. You knew it was sin before you did it, and you knew it was sin after you did it, and God chose to cover you. That was his mercy in action. Because had justice prevailed, he would have exposed it, and you would have been in a whole lot of trouble. But thank God for his justice, and thank God for his what? Mercy. And so when we are dealing with people, we got to make sure that we love mercy. Everybody say love mercy. So, 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 so I, uh, one guy put it this way. He says, go hard on the issue and soft on the person. I kind of like that. He says, go hard on the issue and go soft on the person. If you stay firm on the issue and go soft on that person's feelings in their heart, you're more likely to get a good outcome. So love mercy. If I say love mercy. So if we're going to be prepared to confront, we got to first of all, I mean, act justly, do what's right. Number two, we got to love mercy. And number three, we got to walk humbly with our God. Everybody say walk humbly with God. What that means is that I don't assume the role of God, amen, the judge. Because he's the, he's the only one that's going to, amen, ultimately decide whether or not I'm saved or not. He's the one who's the just judge, all right? In other words, I, I don't want to get in the role of God by trying to condemn a person or dishing out punishment that, that doesn't meet the, uh, the situation because only God knows what he really wants to do and what's just in the situation, amen? Instead, as we evaluate, amen, we got to identify with that person that we're confronting. Let them know that, hey, listen, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm a born again believer like you. I'm subject to follow just like you. But you know what? While we're dealing with this issue right now, I want you to understand I'm not any better than you are, but we still got to deal with this issue. Some people think that because somebody else got another issue, they can't deal with their issue. How many of y'all ever got into an argument with your spouse or your children or somebody and they bring up something that you did? When you're not dealing with that issue, you're dealing with that issue. Right? Anybody in the house? In other words, that's the quickest way we get to try to put the, the, the attention off of ourselves and put it on somebody else. We're dealing with the fact that you did this thing right here, but now you want to talk about this thing that happened two years ago. Because we try to take this attention off ourselves rather than putting it on, amen, the issue that's really the problem that needs to be addressed. So we got to walk humbly with our Lord. Amen? Now I want you to remember something. Take, take, take a note of this. To be humble before God means that you and I are answerable to him. Let me say it again. To be humble before God means that you and I are answerable to him. We are open to correction by him about our attitudes, and, and we need to be in reverence to him, amen, as we go through the process of, of con- confrontation, amen. So, so we... I, answerable to him means that I submit myself to the structure that he has set up. Now, how many of y'all know that in the book of Ephesians, the Bible says he gave us pastors after our own hearts to teach us. Go, go to Ephesians, the fifth chapter with me right quick. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Everybody say choosing to do the right thing. Say choosing to confront. Glory to God. Ephesians, I believe that's where we're going to go. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Jesus. That's not what I want. Uh, uh, the, the, the one that talks about he gave pastors, teachers. Somebody help me right quick. Where are we at? 411. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I know we have some Bible studies here. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 11. Let's look at it right here. It says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Why did he give them? Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. That's what that, those responsibilities are, right? Now, I said a while ago, uh, if, if we're going to, to be prepared to confront, one of the things that we got to do is walk humbly with our God. To walk humbly with our God means that we are, we are to be answerable to him. If I'm answerable to God, that means I got to be answerable to God's structure. I got to be answerable to God's uh, God's uh, 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 order that he placed in the church. If I am a member of the body of Christ, I'm a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I subject myself to that, uh, that, that leadership structure that's in the church. So now he says this, the pastors and teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Look at verse number 13. Watch this. This will continue until we all come to such unity of, in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So if I am walking, amen, as we said, number three, walking humbly with God, that means I'm submitting myself to God's, amen, ordained structure. That means that when Hebrew says, obey those who have the rule and authority over you, for they watch for your souls, amen, uh, as they must give an account. That's in Hebrews, the 13th chapter, verse number 12, not, not verse 12, verse number 17. It says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourself. So now, if you are a member of the church, but you don't submit yourself to pastoral authority, then you're not, amen, walking humbly with your God. Go pop up Hebrews 13 with me right quick. Hebrews 13, verse number 17. Because I'm afraid that there are people who, who are of the misnotion that they can be okay with God and not be okay with God's structure. There are people who are members of churches all across this land and country who don't submit themselves to the pastoral and the leadership authority of that local church. Now they don't they don't they don't kick up any fuss. They don't they don't you won't you know they don't they don't uh you know they don't they don't try to stop what's going on, but they don't submit themselves to the structure of the church. And then quietly they're sitting there uh rebelling. Look at what the text says here. Are y'all there? Let's read. Obey. Come on, oh, no, no, I need y'all to read it out loud with me. Come on, let's read it. Are y'all stand up, everybody stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Come on, stand up. Stand on your feet. Come on. Here, here's obedience. Right. If you're able. Now, if, you, if, you, if you're not able, you got a baby or you got arthritis. Or you just, you just can't move. That's one thing. All right. Come on. Stand on your feet. This is part of obedience right now, isn't it? So if you're sitting down, you're disobedient unless you can't get up. If you're able and not holding a baby or something, you ought to be standing up. Right. See, this is part of obedience right now. See, if you're getting mad. See, right now, there's something inside of you that's making my point of this message right now. Because all you actually do was to stand, right? 
uh, just one simple, one simple directive, just stand, amen? And then, you know, I didn't tell you how long you're going to stand. And I know some of y'all thinking, okay, this has gone on long enough, Pastor. Uh, I'm used to sitting in the service and you say what you got to say and get on out of here. All right, but y'all can sit down now. Okay, sit down, please, please. But now watch this, guys. Look at what the text says. The text says what? Obey your spiritual leaders. Now listen, me having you stand was not sinful, was it? Me having you stand, uh, you know, shouldn't have caused you to be offended, should it? Right? All right? So if you felt something rising up, I'm I'm, I'm telling you, because I felt something rise up on the inside of some of y'all. Some of y'all really didn't want to stand up. And there's something inside of every one of us, a spirit of rebellion that will take over and will get mad because you will simply ask to stand. And don't let me say, clap your hands. I praise the Lord like I want to praise him. Don't nobody have to tell me to clap my hands. When the Bible says, oh, clap your hands, all you people shout with the voice of triumph. So what is it about us that that inward thing that starts to rise up and, 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 and don't want to be told anything? It's that spirit of rebellion, that sinful nature that started out with your little child. Because you know your little two-year-old, you told him don't go in the kitchen, he went in there. And a little two-year-old uh, raised his hand back to hit you. Any of y'all children have tried that? Come on now. And you have, to, you have to tell them and show them that they don't run this house. Now, some of y'all hadn't told them. That's why they still run the house. They 15 and run the house now. Five and dictating with everything that goes on. Huh? All right. But, but, but there's a sin nature on the inside of us. He says, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That will certainly not be for your benefit. So, so watch it. So, okay. All right. So we said, number one, as we get down through here, the thing we want to realize, prepare before you confront, right? Because we say, we say we're going to choose to confront. Because all of us have situations in our life that we really need to talk through with somebody. All of us have situations that need to be addressed, whether it's in ministry, whether it's in our homes, whether it's at work. That many times as believers, we, uh, we shirk back from our responsibility and we choose not to confront. What God says, choose to confront. For the thing that Jesus said in, Ma- in Matthew the 7th chapter, go to Matthew 7 and 3. Glory to God. Is it Matthew 7 and 3? Mark 7 and 3. Is that what it got? I think it may be. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Uh, it should be Matt. Go to Matthew. Matthew seven. I think it's Matthew seven and three. I'm, it's my mistake. Hallelujah. Matthew seven chapter. Look at verse number three in Matthew seven chapter. Watch this. Get the log. See it. it you got to prepare, right? First of all, prepare before you confront. And, and part of that preparation is getting the log out of your eye. Watch what he says here. Listen to what Jesus says. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye? When you have a log in your own. Is that what he says? Look at the next verse. It says what? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eyes? Verse number five. Watch this. Hypocrite. Now watch what he says. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. 
then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Now, notice what it did not say. It did not say get rid of every speck in your eye before you can deal with your friend's speck, did it? It said get rid of that log in your own eye, that thing in your life that's tripping you up time and time again, that, that sin has called you to be out of, out, of, out, of, out of concert with God. Get rid of the log so you can see well enough, right, to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. He didn't say don't deal with the speck in your friend's eye. He said, first of all, number one, amen, notice Jesus says to remove the plank out your own eye first. Get the log out your own eye first. Second, he said, notice Jesus says, uh, he's, 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 he's talking about the plank versus the, the speck or the log versus the speck. In other words, you got to deal with, amen, the, the, the big thing that's caused you to be tripped up, that's caused you not to be able to see effectively how to minister to your friend. So deal with the big thing in your life that's called you not to be able to see clearly. And third, Jesus says that when we face ourselves first, we can see clearly. In other words, when I deal with my own big mess I got, then now I can see clear enough, Shirley, uh, Sherry, to help you deal with your stuff. But if I got something that's, that's, just, that's bogging me down, that's causing me to be tripped up, not that I'm perfect, but if I got something big going on in my life, some sin that I'm caught up in, I can't help you deal with yours. Notice what he says. He says, then you will be see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eyes. So, first of all, in preparing, let's make sure that we don't have any big logs in our eyes. In other words, if I'm trying to tell you how to deal with something, but I got this major thing going on in my life that, that's causing me uh, to, to ruin my testimony, how am I going to help you when I got a log in my own eye? I got to remove the log so I can see well enough. Notice what he says. Then you will see well enough, he didn't say you can have perfect vision to where there's no speck. He said you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Amen? Everybody say deal with the log. Now, look at the next point I want you to go to right quick. Uh, we got to know when to confront and when to let go. Go to Proverbs 19.11. When to confront and when to let go. Because it's obvious it, from the book of Micah, that God, amen, God decided it was time to call his people to trial. It was time to confront what they were doing. And they were taking advantage of poor people. There was social injustice that was going on. I mean, it was all kinds of stuff that was happening in, in, the, in, in Israel's culture at that time. And God had to confront them on that issue. Guys, when we see injustice, let's, let's deal with it in our own lives, and in the lives of others. We as believers have been called to stand up for what is right. Look at what the text says right here. Sensible people do what? Uh, now, come on, y'all to read it out loud. It says what? Sensible people control their temper. If you can't control your temper, you're not sensible. Let's listen to it. Sensible people do what? Control their temper. They earn respect by what? There, I, there it is again. There are going to be sometimes, guys, when some stuff, you got to give people a pass on. If, if, if I, listen, and, and we have to do this with our children too. Uh, if, if, if we came down, them, came down on them hard for everything that they did, then they would get discouraged. And the Bible talks about fathers provoke not your children to wrath, 
but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That don't mean that you don't address issues, but every time they mess up, sometimes it ought to be a teachable moment rather than a fussing, cussing moment. Sometimes it ought to be a teachable moment rather than a, a corporal punishment moment. The text says sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking what? Wrongs. Before confronting, ask yourself, is this the proper time for this? Are there other issues this person needs to understand first? And evaluate carefully both the person and the relationship to know whether or not this is the time to confront. So know when to confront and when to let it go. Can I get a witness? I'm going to tell you right now, the time to confront your spouse is not in the four-year church. The time to deal with your child is not necessarily <laughs> in church because there's a good chance he's showing out in church because you didn't deal with him at home. But you want to make everybody in church think you're dealing with him at home. So you do all that fussing and yelling. Talking about, you better sit down. I want, you know what's going to happen to you. He don't know what's going to happen to you. That's why he keep doing what he's doing. He don't know. He three, and you hadn't dealt with him at home, and now you want to come to church and fuss like you do something at home, and that's why you keep doing the same thing. It's the last time I'm telling you, well, that's the tenth time you don't told him, be quiet, I'm tired of hearing you say that. Deal with him at home. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Come on. If you deal with him at home, they'll know what they can and can't do out in public. They're doing it in public because they did it at home. Can I get two witnesses up in here? Everybody said, yes, you're right, Pastor. Know when to confront and when to let go. Amen? Next thing, clarify your motives. We're talking about choosing to confront. Clarify your motives. L listen to this real carefully. You confront to help, number one, yourself. Because the person's behavior is causing a problem for you, right? It's causing you to be waking up in the middle of the night to my dog. I don't know what I'm going to do about that. All right? You confront to help yourself. Number two, you confront to help the relationship. The person's behavior is causing a breakdown in intimacy or the workability of the relationship. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, marriages are torn apart because couples generally, as a general rule, don't know how to do this very well. All right, and, and that's why I think it's important to, to learn, to study on how to be a good husband. Because you don't just get it. Most, most of us didn't have that good example when we were going on. I'm not saying your parents weren't good people. But a lot of times your parents, most of us who have passed 40, uh, uh, 35, parents never went to a marriage seminar. Never, never studied God's word as it relates to how a husband treats a wife. Never, never, never studied God's word on how a, 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 a wife should reverence a husband. Never, never went to a counseling session. Never even talked to anybody about their problems. Come on now. Can we be honest? In church, when I grew up, we ain't talking about no sex. We ain't talking about how a husband, why you, you knew people were together, and that's all you knew. Mr. Jones and Miss Jones. But there was no preaching on that. 
There was no seminars on that. And so as a result, people did what they saw done before them. And a lot of times what they saw before them wasn't really God's pattern and plan. Not in its fullest sense. Not saying that they didn't have good people. Um, I thank God for my mom and dad. But my mom and dad, uh, when we were growing up, there were some things that were going on that, that really just wasn't God's will. Mama, dad, I love y'all. They still here. They still alive and breathing. Dad just turned 80. I think mama's going to be 81. But, but, but uh, you know, I, I, I couldn't pattern my marriage after mom and daddy. Now, I hear some of y'all, that is so disrespectful. I'm telling you the truth. And some of y'all, if y'all are truthful, you couldn't really pattern your marriage after your mom and daddy. Can I get two amen? But I love my mom and dad. But they didn't get, in fairness to them, they never got teaching on that. They didn't talk about that back then in the church. Come on. Right? All right. But I'll tell you what, we're going to talk about it here in this church. Amen. The generation that's coming up behind us ain't going to have no excuse. The Nate and Alicia Lanier's ain't going to have no excuse. And the Nate and Alicia Lears have grown in their relationship because they have plugged in the marriage fellowship. They were teaching us some stuff. I was so proud. Uh, we had them on a panel with some other young couples. And I ain't know Nate had all that in him. I mean, and Alicia, you know, they, they, they shared so much. I'm serious. They shared so much wisdom. And, and, I'm, I, and if they were to, how long y'all, I married y'all, right? How long ago has that been? Nine years. Wow. And there has been so much growth in nine years. And they, they, if you were to ask them for their testimony, and I don't know all their story, but I'm sure they would tell you that it hadn't always been easy, but they've grown. And they've learned how to confront situations. They learned how to deal with stuff. So, so thank God for the growth. So we're going to make sure that, that what we didn't get the generation coming behind us is going to get. Amen? Where's Kiara Evans and Demontre Evans? I like saying that. What, are, they, are they here? Yeah, they're they somewhere around here, I think. Amen. Yeah. But, but they're they going to have a leg up on a lot of us because they got some teaching this year. Let's keep moving, all right? So, so again, so, so you, you confront to help yourself. You confront to help the relationship. You confront to help the other person because stopping the behavior would be good for him or her, right? And you confront to help third parties. The person's behavior is hurting other people. Sometimes children are, you know, not sometimes, all the time, children are, are messed up because of divorce. Because mom and daddy didn't know how to do a relationship right. And it affects children. It, it affects children for generations, guys. And they don't just go away because they're grown. That's why it's important for us to set a good example. Can I get a witness? So clarify your motives, amen. You, you, you confront to help yourself, you confront to help the relationship, you confront to help the other person, and you confront to help third parties, people who are, are affected by the relationship. Look at the next thing. You understand the three possible reactions to confrontation. I gave you this sometime in January. You, you understand the three possible reactions to confrontation. Notice going in. Number one, first, you can be received well. The person gets it. And it all ends well. Go to Proverbs 9 with me right quick. That's the reaction that we're hoping for, right? But we don't always get that, do we? 
Look at Proverbs 9, right quick. Verse 7 and 8. Watch this, watch this. We want to end with Matt, while you're going there, you remember what Matthew said? Jesus said, he said, if you go to your brother, it's all between you and the brother, go to him between you and him alone. And if he hears you, you gain your brother. You reconcile. That's what we want, right? Look at what it says here. Anyone who rebukes a mocker will get an insult in return. Anyone who corrects the wicked will get hurt. But look at verse number eight. So don't bother correcting mockers, fools, basically what he's talking about. Because they will only hate you, right? But correct the wise, guess what? And they'll love you. People who are wise understand that when you come to them, you're coming to them because you love them. You're coming to them because you see something that needs to be corrected. And if it's not corrected, it's going to ruin the relationship. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to ruin them. It's going to hurt other people. So they realize that you're not doing this to try to be mean. You're doing this to help. Correct the wise and they'll love you. See, children are that way too. When you leave your children to themselves, what you're really saying is, I don't love you like I say I love you. Because children need to be disciplined. Children need to be corrected. Hello? And it stops being cute. Huh? At a certain age. All right? Your child slapping grown folks. Okay, when he was one, he, 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 you know, he, okay, he didn't know, but now he's five. Uh-uh, that ain't cute. That's bad. Correct. Everybody say correct. So, so, so the first thing is uh, they, they can receive it, the person gets it, and all ends well. The second thing that can happen is you may face some resistance and some defensiveness or some other form of opposition. That can happen. How many of y'all have confronted people and they got defensive? They wouldn't, they, they wouldn't receive anything you said. They were defensive. So we got to make sure we understand that some people are going to get defensive and they're not going to receive the correction, but it's still our responsibility. We got to choose to confront. Right? Can I get a witness? The third thing is you may face not only resistance, but some folks are, are, are retaliate against you because you dealt with the issue. But still, as a born-again believer, I got to choose to confront, even though I realize that one of three situations may take place as a result of confronting. The next thing you got to realize is choose the right time and the place to do it. Everybody said choose the right time and place. Many people make the mistake of confronting an issue with someone when they're in the middle of experiencing it. In tougher conflicts, guys, this may not be the time to have that talk. When there's sparks flying, emotions are running high, you may want to wait till it cools down before you decide to confront. Can I get a witness? Uh, we all know that the Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words throw up anger. And so whenever I'm confronting or dealing with an issue, I want to make sure the time is right, but I also want to make sure my tone is right. When you go to somebody, you go to them in a respectful way. You don't go to them yelling and screaming and shaking your head and talking about what all you're going to do. You be respectful. Can I get a witness? And so sometimes it, it, it's, it's good to wait till things calm down. 
and choose another time when things are going smoothly or at a later date, then you can, when the emotions are not running so high, and then you go and confront the issue. Next thing, affirm something good. This is really important. As I get ready to close, affirm something good. In other words, when you confront something negative, remember the importance of affirming something about the intended outcome or desire for the person, the relationship, or, or for you. The person you are confronting needs to know that you indeed, you, that you indeed, uh, uh, you know, you, you, you intend good and not evil, right? And he, and he know that. In other words, say for instance like this, Eric, I, I, I love you and, and, and I'm committed to our relationship. This is a woman talking to Eric now, okay? <laughs> Eric, I love you and I'm committed to our relationship. That's why I want to talk about this issue. I want it to help us to grow, get closer. See, that, that, right, right there, I'm affirming something good. In other words, what that, what that lady is saying is, I love you. That's good, right? She says, I'm committed to the relationship. That's why I want to talk about the issue. Or maybe an example may be a man may say, Mary, or it could be another woman. I, I, I want to talk to you, and I want you to hear what I have to say in the spirit in which I mean it. Some things have been concerning me about you, and I mention them in the hopes that they will help you. I'm doing this for you not to hurt you. See, I'm affirming that person right there is affirming something good. And you got to always do that. Even in the church, you know, hey, brother, man, I, I, let me talk to you about this. You may not even notice this, but a lot. But but you, you're, you're really offending a lot of people by the way you say and the way you you raise your voice in the tone. Well, I, I just the way I talk. I always talk that way. Well, have you ever considered that that's not a good way to talk? Some people will try to justify what they're doing rather than listening to what you're saying. And when you go, always affirm, affirm the good. In other words, hey man, I know you're a good brother, I know your heart's in the right place, but I'm noticing this about you. And what it's doing is, it's affecting your ability to minister. And so I want to help you, amen, be more open so that people can receive from you and not feel like you're a mean person. Because I really know you're not means that you talk, you don't know how to talk to people. So let's learn how to talk so we can be more open and we can, and we, we can get you to a place where God can use you more mightily. Are y'all following me here? Amen. Maybe it's another example. It may be, let's say Terry. Somebody named Terry, okay? Terry, the reason we call you here is that we are worried about you. We want the best for you and we think you are at risk and in danger so we want to talk to you. You, you got some things going on, man, that if you're not careful, you're going to fool around and lose your family. And we want to talk to you about it because we don't want to see that happen. See, now, I, I, you know, I'm confirming and affirming something good about the relationship, but I'm also addressing the issue. Be specific and clear, y'all. Always remember that there are three things on the table. You, the other person, and the issue. Speak appropriately to each one of those. So be specific and clear when you address the issue, when you confront. Next thing, speak to the feelings, then return to the issue. Because sometimes when you're dealing with a, a confrontation, somebody's going to be feeling a certain kind of way. Acknowledge it. And listen, I understand that you may be upset. I'm, I understand that that may be something that caused you some heartache and pain. But here's the real issue. The real issue is this. You were doing this and that was not right. Okay? I, acknowledge it. I, understand, that you, I understand you may feel that way, but what you did was wrong. Are y'all, are y'all following me there? Speak to the feelings, then return to the issue. Empathize with the other person's feelings or position, but return to the issue. And 
Request specific change when you're dealing with an issue. Request specific change. Many times a confrontation begins well, but the person doing the confronting doesn't have a specific enough request to bring that conversation to the desired end. In other words, what are you really asking? What are you asking that person to do? Don't just air your feelings, but but be, be specific about what you're looking for, uh, that what behavior you want to be changed. And lastly, make sure you stay in control of yourself. Go to Proverbs 12 and 16. We finish it right here. Proverbs 12 and 16. Y'all got those? Watch this now. Proverbs 12 and 16 says what? A, here it is again. A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person does what? Stays calm when insulted. Let's read it out loud as we close. A fool. All right now. So if you're in this category, look at yourself. Okay. A fool is what? But a wise person stays calm when insulted. And how many of you know, if you live down on this earth long enough, you're going to get insulted. If you, if you hang around church long enough, somebody in the church is going to insult you. The question is, are you a fool or are you a wise person? See, when we, when we walk in wisdom, we remain calm and we let God fight our battles. So, guys, I want to encourage you. Go back and review these because I know some of y'all sitting there right now and there are situations that you really need to address. You really need to confront. But you've been fearful. You fear you're going to be rejected. You're going to feel that people aren't going to like you anymore. You, you, you're fearful that you're not going to know what to say. If you prepare yourself, you'll be in a position to confront the issue in a biblical way. God didn't let his people continue on in Micah. He called them up on trial. He says, we gotta, I'm choosing to confront you guys right now. Let's deal with the issue. Let's get it corrected so that we can move forward in faith. Amen? Come on, get the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.